Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I'll be on Hannity tonight, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. I hope you will join us. The Republicans did a fantastic job today. Ignore the phony media, ignore the phony legal analysts, even some of whom have surprised me, who I'm quite friendly with. Those of you who watched it or listened to it on your own, use your own brains. We don't need interpreters. It's in plain English. We're going to play some of this for you, some of the highlights. But first, a few points to reiterate and underscore. Because you're not going to get it from the legal analyst. The law. This so-called whistleblower, under the whistleblower statute, is not a whistleblower. That's what's amazing about this whole protection racket. The whistleblower, so-called, is not covered by the whistleblower statute. (coughs) The president's not covered by the whistleblower statute. The president's phone call is not covered by the whistleblower statute. So why are they protecting him? It's a cover-up. Next year, Constitution. Bribery. Treason, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. The language, treason, bribery other high crimes and misdemeanors was intended by your framers to create a higher standard than had been originally proposed at the Constitutional Convention by George Mason. There were a number of objections, including by James Madison. Maladministration, that's just not enough. So they came up with this language, and they didn't just make it up. They looked at the British system They looked at the system in some of our states, that is, colonies. And they came up with this language, borrowing some from history, using some on their own. Treason, bribery, high crimes, misdemeanors. Now you hear misdemeanors and you think of the criminal code. That's not what they meant by misdemeanors. Even bribery, the elements of bribery. You have these idiots, these legal analysts, one in particular who our buddy Drudge is enamored with, who have no idea what they're talking about. And by the way, this is a frustration of mine. Who are these legal analysts? Not one of them has experience in impeachment. The Clinton impeachment. Yes, I do. Not one of them is a constitutional scholar. Most of them are former federal prosecutors or state judges or whatever. They're not experts. At all. But they, they act like they're experts. They tell the House Republicans, 
what they should focus on in the Senate, how the trial is supposed to run, and all the rest of it. The issue of bribery, the issue of bribery, listen carefully, please, related to whether a president was vulnerable to bribery from foreign governments and whether his loyalties could be bought from foreign governments through bribery. That's not this case. It's not even close to this case. It has nothing to do with this case in the President of the United States. Yet they keep throwing around bribery. Because their base is stupid, the media is stupid and ideological, and they figure you are, but you're not. Just think about it. It makes sense. Their concern was that a president or a judge or a vice president or anybody in a senior position in the government might be bribed. And if they're bribed, they need to be removed. But this has nothing to do with whether or not a president has been bribed. And they've turned this whole process on its head. The president of the United States is not required to give funds to a corrupt foreign government. Again, one of the legal analysts is out there saying he has no choice. Congress passed it and he must spend it. There's a statute that Congress also passed. And in that statute, the president is supposed to try and make certain, as certain as he can, that the money is not going to be abused or wasted or sent to a corrupt government. So why do they keep lying about it? It's a matter of statute. Passed by Congress. He's to ensure that the funds won't be wasted. Now, what if the Bidens are corrupt? I think they are. The facts suggest they are. In broad daylight. In front of a camera. With a video recorder. So, according to the press, the Democrat Party press, and the Democrats and legal analysts... The president should ignore it. The president should ignore it. Ukraine government in the past has been corrupt. They've gotten hundreds of millions of dollars from the Trump administration. There's a public story in Politico in the New York Times about possible corruption involving Hunter Biden. About possible corruption, interference in the 2016 election. And the president is supposed to ignore it? Ignore it. Now that the president didn't ignore it, and he said, you know, you might want to look into this, now they claim he's interfering with an election of a possible opponent. So my advice to Rudy Giuliani, who they're trying to hunt down, is this. Announce you're going to run for president. Then any effort to investigate you will clearly be an effort to interfere in your election effort. Then we hear this analyst, this analysis. And you've been hearing it a lot. A thing of value. That is, in exchange for military funding, the president receives a valuable political benefit because his possible opponent and or his son is to be investigated. That's a thing of value, they say. The official position of the United States Department of Government and the office that is in charge of overseeing and issuing the the decisions related to our constitutional interpretation, which is housed by civil servants every bit as courageous and patriotic as they make out this guy Taylor. They say that's incorrect, and they're right. The official position of the Office of Legal Counsel is this is not a correct formulation of campaign or criminal law. And under the best evidence rule, this is me, 
not hearsay from bureaucrats that we heard all day today. The phone call between both presidents, that's the best evidence. Provides no evidence of untoward behavior. None. Both presidents attest to this. No pressure. No quid pro quo. No bribery. None of it. Then we heard all day today, these two bureaucrats, they're very upset that official governmental policy wasn't followed by the president and his surrogates. I couldn't watch all day, but not a single legal analyst that I did hear, not a single legal analyst that I did hear dared to point out that this is an impossibility. The president of the United States sets foreign policy in the executive branch. Not Mr. Taylor, despite his background. What was the other jerk's name? I can't remember. It's written down here somewhere. Doesn't matter. Kent. Under Article 2, the president makes treaties. Obviously, they have to be ratified by the Senate. The president appoints ambassadors. Obviously, they have to be confirmed by the Senate. The president receives ambassadors from other countries. The president is the commander-in-chief. Nothing here about a State Department. There was no State Department at the time of the formulation of the Constitution. So it is literally impossible for a president to violate executive branch policy. He sets executive branch policy. He is the executive branch. It's preposterous. Meanwhile, Ukraine has received hundreds of millions of dollars from the Trump administration, which it did not receive from Obama. Biden's not under investigation, in my view he ought to be, and neither is his son. Now when we come back, I'm going to tell you about the left's favorite president. No, it's not Washington. No, it's not Lincoln. No, it's not Obama. No, 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 no. It's not even Woodrow Wilson. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And based on what's being said about the President of the United States today by the Democrats and the media and some Republicans, Franklin Delano Roosevelt should have been impeached and removed from office for running a rogue foreign policy and going around the United States Department of State. I'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. A series of choices, guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C., Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
Harry Hopkins, well, we're going to get to everything. Hang in there. Harry Hopkins was FDR's closest friend and confidant. And I'm not going to do a Harry Hopkins, This Is Your Life. But he actually moved into the White House at the request of Franklin Roosevelt. He lived there. And he clashed with numerous cabinet members. I mean, History Net even has this. Hopkins, at one point, was involved in a back channel on foreign policy, bypassing normal diplomatic channels. FDR assigned him to meet with Churchill, even though he held no official position. And when reporters asked the president if Hopkins was to be the next ambassador to Great Britain, Roosevelt answered, you know Harry isn't strong enough for that job. Recent events, however, have left a serious void in communication between the two nations. Ambassador Joseph P. Kennedy Sr. had resigned because he was uh, very sympathetic to Adolf Hitler. He was the British ambassador from the United States. Lord Lothian had died just days after Roosevelt received Churchill's pivotal letter. Unable to meet with his British counterpart himself, Roosevelt told the press he was sending Hopkins to London so that he can talk to Churchill like an Iowa farmer. He didn't send his Secretary of State. The mission was indicative of the special trust Roosevelt put in Hopkins. Now, he had other advisors, but he found Hopkins perfect company and liked to discuss important matters with him informally. And Hopkins was unswervingly loyal to the president, who in turn often heeded his friend's advice on significant policy issues. Now, Hopkins was involved with the president right up to 1946. He became very ill. He would die in 1946 at a relatively young age. He fought with Harold Harold Ickey Sr., the Interior Department, when he was involved in setting up much of the New Deal. He fought with uh, Rexford Tugwell and Henry Morgenthau, who were very close to the president, obviously. Morgenthau, cabinet, treasury secretary. Not everyone was happy with the arrangement. Harold Ickes resented Hopkins' insider role. The two remained at odds for years. For years. Now, Wendell Wilkie, Roosevelt's Republican opponent in 1940, Asked Roosevelt why he placed such faith in Hopkins, especially when he knew others resented it. The president told Wilkie that if he ever became president, you'll learn what a lonely job this is, and you'll discover the need for someone like Harry Hopkins, who asked for nothing except to serve you. In many ways, that's Rudy Giuliani in his relationship with the president, as it applies to Ukraine and other areas, isn't it? Russia, defending the president. Now, as they point out here, Winston Churchill's initial reaction upon receiving word of Hopkins' impending visit was, Who? Who's that? And British officials were initially taken aback by Hopkins' rumpled appearance, but they soon accepted him. He seemed to the British to be the stereotypical American. Hopkins, his visit hardened to the British citizens and so forth. Now, for his part, Hopkins was struck by the spirit of the British people. 
And so Hopkins was, if you will, a shadow Secretary of State. A shadow Secretary of State. He, uh, he would promote the bill that would provide Britain and eventually several other allied nations desperately needed war material without requiring payment up front, skirting the tenets of the 1939 Neutrality Act. There was vehement opposition in Congress to the Lend-Lease Plan. There was no statutory support for what the President and his Harry Hopkins had been doing. But they did it anyway. Hopkins, in 1941, was the principal go-between then, between Roosevelt and Churchill. The principal go-between, not the Secretary of State. Not an assistant Secretary of State, not a former ambassador, none of it. During the years 1941 to 43, Hopkins could usually be found in his room at the White House, working in a bathrobe, with letters, papers, telegrams, and diplomatic dispatches strewn across his bed. As the war progressed, Hopkins' health grew progressively worse. Nevertheless, he was still capable of making quick and insightful decisions. Late in 1944, with the tide of the war now in favor of the Allies, Churchill and Stalin were preparing for a meeting to discuss control of southeastern Europe. Busy with his re-election campaign, Roosevelt was unable to attend and decided essentially to let Churchill represent U.S. interests. Hopkins foresaw trouble with the arrangement and ordered the transmission of Roosevelt's cable to Stalin stopped behind Roosevelt's back. FDR found out about it, and he rewrote the cable and thanked Hopkins for preventing him from making a serious mistake. Harry Hopkins had an unprecedented position in the Roosevelt administration. Not merely a chief of staff. Not merely. Even Churchill's secretary, John Colville, while considering Hopkins an honorable man and sincere idealist, believed he trusted the word and goodwill of Stalin to an imprudent extent, as did Roosevelt and the State Department. And so let me suggest this, ladies and gentlemen. Franklin Roosevelt should be impeached. Posthumously, of course. Retroactively. Impeached. He was running a rogue foreign policy, in the words of former Ambassador Taylor and Deputy Assistant Secretary Kent and all the Democrats on the House Intelligence Committee. I'll be right back. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. So I say the Republicans, uh, well, they made me proud, and I'm sure you today. They were outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Jim Jordan, that's why they sought to take out Jim Jordan a year ago. Pulverized the entire argument of the left. Radcliffe undressed them. I mean, it wasn't just those two, but they were outstanding, as were others. As were others. Nunes was spectacular. And I told you two days ago, These hearings will expose the left, expose what they're trying to do, expose their coup. Expose their coup. Devin Nunes, cut three, go. In a July open hearing of this committee following publication of the Mueller report, the Democrats engaged in a last-ditch effort to convince the American people that President Trump is a Russian agent. That hearing was the pitiful finale of a three-year-long operation by the Democrats, the corrupt media, and partisan bureaucrats to overturn the results of the 2016 election. After the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th, in which they spent years denouncing any Republican who ever shook hands with a Russian, on July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance is Republicans' dealings with Ukraine. In the blink of an eye, we're asked to simply forget about Democrats on this committee, falsely claiming they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russians. We should forget about them reading fabrications of Trump-Russia collusion from the Steele dossier into the congressional record. We should also forget about them trying to obtain nude pictures of Trump from Russian pranksters who pretended to be Ukrainian officials. We should forget about them leaking a false story to CNN while he was still testifying to our committee claiming that Donald Trump Jr. was colluding with WikiLeaks. And forget about countless other deceptions, large and small, that make them the last people on earth with the credibility to hurl more preposterous accusations at their political opponents. Cut four, go. And yet now, here we are. We're supposed to take these people at face value when they trot out a new batch of allegations. But anyone familiar with the Democrats' scorched earth war against President Trump would not be surprised to see all the typical signs that this is a carefully orchestrated media smear campaign. For example, after vowing publicly that impeachment requires bipartisan support, Democrats are pushing impeachment forward without the backing of a single Republican. The witnesses deemed suitable for television by the Democrats were put through a closed door audition process in a cult-like atmosphere in the basement of the Capitol where Democrats conducted secret depositions released a flood of misleading and one-sided leaks, 
and later selectively release transcripts in a highly staged manner. Outstanding. Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan. I don't think Jim Jordan's a lawyer, is he, Mr. Producer? He's better than most lawyers I've seen, and certainly better than all the legal analysts on TV. Jim Jordan to former Ambassador Taylor at the hearing today. Cut five, go. AIDS held up on July 18th, is that right? That's when I first heard about it, uh, Mr. And then, it's, and then it's released Ambassador Taylor on September 11th. And we know that from your deposition, in those 55 days that aid is delayed, you met with President Zelensky three times. The first one was July 26th, the day after the famous call now between President Trump and President Zelensky. President Zelensky meets with you, Ambassador Volker, and Ambassador Sondland. And again, according to your deposition and your testimony, there was no linkage of security assistance dollars to investigating Burisma or the Bidens. Second meeting is August 27th. Again, in this 55-day time frame, second meeting is August 27th. President Zelensky meets with you and Ambassador Bolton and others. And again, there's no linkage of dollars, security assistance dollars, to an investigation of the Bidens. Then, of course, the third meeting is September 5th. President Zelensky meets with you and Senators Johnson and Murphy. And once again, there is no linkage of security assistance dollars to an investigation of Burisma or the Bidens. (coughs) Three meetings with the president of Ukraine, the new president, and no linkage. That's accurate? Ms. Jordan, certainly accurate on the first two, uh, first two meetings, because to my knowledge, uh, the Ukrainians were not aware of the hold on assistance until until the 29th of August. So the political article. The political article. Um, the, thir- the third meeting that you mentioned with the senators, Senators yep. Murphy and Senator Johnson, um, there was discussion of the security assistance, but... No uh, linkage. But there was not, there was not discussion of linkage. So, so let's, let's just underscore this. This fellow met with Zelensky, the new reformed president of Ukraine, three times. And not once did Zelensky mention that there, somebody was holding up military aid. Not once did he complain about any linkage or quid pro quo. It never came up. He never said a word. So George's point is, if it was happening, he would have said something. And Jordan's other point is that this witness has nothing useful to provide to this committee or the American people. He has no first-hand knowledge. He has no actual, tangible, substantive knowledge of any kind that any of the allegations against the president that you hear in the media and by the Democrats, any of the allegations are true, because they're not. That was beautifully done. More Jim Jordan. Cut six. Go. Three meetings face-to-face with President Zelensky. No linkage. Yet, in your deposition, you said this, and you said it again the first hour of the majority. My clear understanding was security assistance money would not come until President Zelensky committed to pursue the investigation. My clear understanding was they weren't going to get the money until President Zelensky committed to pursue the investigations. Now, with all due respect, Ambassador, your clear understanding was obviously wrong because it didn't happen 
President Zelensky didn't announce he was going to investigate Burisma or the Bidens. He didn't do a press conference and say, I'm going to investigate the Bidens. We're going to investigate Burisma. He didn't tweet about it. And you just told the ranking member he didn't do the CNN interview and announce he's going to investigate Burisma or the Bidens. So three face-to-face meetings, it doesn't come up, no linkage whatsoever. President Zelensky doesn't announce it before the aid is released on the 11th. And yet you said you have a clear understanding that those two things were going to happen. The money was going to get released, but not until there was an investigation. And that, in fact, didn't happen. That's really the long short of it, isn't it? Why is this witness there? Well, he sounds like Edward R. Murrow. Did you hear somebody say that today, Mr. Producer? Good Lord, how do these knuckleheads make it? I don't know. One more Jim Jordan. Cut seven, go. And then what you have in front of you is an addendum that Mr. Sondland made to his testimony that we got a couple weeks ago. It says, Declaration of Ambassador Gordon Sondland. I, Gordon Sondland, do hereby swear and affirm as follows. I want you to look at point number two, bullet point number two, second sentence. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told, Ambassador Taylor, that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmack on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. Now, this is his clarification. Let me read it one more time. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmouk on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. We got six people having four conversations in one sentence, and you just told me this is where you got your clear understanding. Which, I, I mean, even though you had three opportunities with President Zelensky for him to tell you, you know what? We're going to do these investigations to get the aid. Didn't tell you three different times. Never makes an announcement. Never tweets about it. Never does a an interview. <clears throat> Ambassador, you weren't on the call, were you? The president, you didn't listen on President Trump's call and President Lindsey's call? I did not. You've never talked with Chief of Staff Mulvaney? I never did. You never met the president? That's correct. Mm, wow. Daniel Goldman is supposed to be this hotshot lawyer. He's billed up in the New York Times yesterday. And by the way, we're going to deal with the New York Times smear effort on John Solomon by Ken Vogel and this guy Jeremy Peters Ken Vogel has a very sleazy background he's a hardcore left-wing Democrat he grew up in Philadelphia like I did even though he wrote a couple of good articles he really is a sleazeball he's attacked talk radio he's attacked me and Hannity and others he seems to think we're on the take or something I don't know what the hell the problem is with this guy or did years ago Uh, But he is, uh, they're trying to destroy John Solomon. They're trying to destroy the retired lieutenant colonel who has questioned Vindman. This is how they they put out these little hit squads. But they won't succeed. Because we remember Kenneth Vogel. Kenneth Vogel once, ladies and gentlemen, not that long ago. He wrote a piece for Politico, and you know what he did? He sent it to a DNC operative to review it before he would publish it. Much like Ben Bradley would send articles to John Kennedy to review before Newsweek would print them, as he worked for Newsweek before he was promoted to the Washington Compost. And I'm sure this happens all the time. All the time. But let us continue. John Ratcliffe is brilliant as well, former federal prosecutor. Cut eight, go. In addition to confirming that because he had no knowledge 
uh, of it. There was no quid pro quo involving military aid during that call. President Zelensky went on to confirm a number of things, that there was no pressure, that there were no conditions, that there were no threats on military aid. There were no conditions or pressure to investigate Burisma or the 2016 election, that there was no blackmail, that there was no corruption of any kind during the July 25th call, again, from his official press release. Therefore, there was no blackmail because it was not the subject of our conversation with the president of the United States. There were no conditions on the investigation, either because of arms or the situation around Burisma Company. He told Reuters there was no blackmail. He told the L.A. Times there was no pressure or blackmail from the United States. He told Japan's Kyoto News, I was never pressured and there were no conditions being imposed. He told ABC News and the BBC, I'm against corruption. This is not corruption. It was just a call. The Ukrainian president stood in front of the world press and repeatedly, consistently, over and over again, interview after interview, said he had no knowledge of military aid being withheld, meaning no quid pro quo, no pressure, no demands, no threats, no blackmail, nothing corrupt. And unlike the first 45 minutes that we heard from the Democrats today, that's not secondhand information. It's not hearsay. It's not what someone overheard Ambassador Sondland say. That was his direct testimony. Ambassador Taylor, do you have any evidence to assert that President Zelensky was lying to the world press when he said those things? Yes or no? Mr. Ratcliffe, if I can respond. My time is short. Your time yes is or short. no? That's right. I have no reason to doubt what uh, the president said um, in, in his... Okay, very good. Another brilliant point. To believe Schiff and the Democrats in the media, you have to believe that Zelensky's lying. And later on, Schiff and the mobsters on the committee argue, well, of course not. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, is not going to criticize our president because he wants the money. And Radcliffe came back and said, but he got the money. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars starting in FY 2017, as soon as the president became president in this country. For three fiscal years, they've gotten the money. Obama withheld necessary military hardware from the Ukrainian government. All this talk by these two bureaucrats that Ukraine needs the military hardware to defend themselves against Russia, and I agree with that, strongly. But Obama didn't give it to them. Obama didn't give it to them, and I don't remember having hearings on this. Do you? I'll be right back. in. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes. Learning, character, September 2014. While many institutions have lost Obama their withheld way, direct Hillsdale arms from the Kurds an fighting unwavering ISIS. commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. Obama would hold funding about the great Dr. Larry Arn, in arms from Israel while Israel is under attack for a 24-hour period. And he explains that I don't remember any of these bureaucrats running to Capitol Hill and testifying about how this is being done to our allies. Of education at Hillsdale and College. today we got he lectures says, about how you don't do this sort of thing now. It takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. And yet freedom they do it all the time. 
learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat. They do so it all the time. principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. Look, folks, this is like Hillsdale, the last three faith years. and learning are integrated has toward God because he is the first authority. the law. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love President Hillsdale hasn't College, violated the Constitution. You know. No, Visit Congress Hillsdale has violated the Constitution. That's President hasn't violated any funding statute. Hillsdale fact, College, is a responsibility to ensure that the money is spent properly. Since 1844. Remember, President hasn't Hillsdale committed bribery, edu, extortion. Hillsdale they don't even understand edu. what bribery and extortion means, particularly in the context of the impeachment law. The whistleblower is not a whistleblower under the law. The whistleblower is not protected. He doesn't get anonymity under the law. Not during an impeachment proceeding. President's not covered by the whistleblower statute. The president's call isn't covered by the whistleblower statute. And despite all the legal analysts all over the place, you're not getting the facts, are you? Irregular channels they keep talking about. Irregular channels that are used all the time. Because once again, the president sends foreign policy, not the Department of State. The president who you elect. You know, Nancy Pelosi and her Politburo... Their work today, you saw them with your own two eyes. They embarrassed themselves. They humiliated themselves, despite what they're in the back pocket media have to say about all this. It's all just another sleazy effort at a silent coup to remove a duly elected president and disenfranchise almost 63 million voters. I've been talking about this a long time. Now, this media lavishly support the clown show. You know... Biden's son. We're not allowed to look into Biden's son. The media have declared him an innocent man. It's shocking. And of course, the President of the United States, well, he can't even mention Biden. That can't cross his lips. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. By the way... Isn't it important to know if Joe Biden and his son and his brother are crooks before he gets the nomination, if he does, to be president of the United States? Isn't that important to know, apart from Trump, apart from the president of Ukraine, apart from all this? Where's the investigative reporting? There's none. There's none. Isn't that shocking? Very shocking. There have been quote-unquote back channels with all kinds of individuals by presidents. There was Richardson. We've talked about this before. There was Jesse Jackson. George Washington used John Jay. John Jay. Mark, who's John Jay? He was the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. He was one of the authors, the smallest in terms of volume. However, one of the authors of the uh, Federalist Papers is a very important founder. And Woodrow Wilson had his favorite, and 
so forth and so on. And when this guy, Taylor, kept saying, irregular channel, irregular channel, irregular channel, I knew he was a hack. You know, he comes across as a nice elderly man, but I knew he was a hack for these purposes anyway. Because it's not an irregular channel. And the State Department doesn't set foreign policy. They're not in the Constitution. And that's a big deal. To set that straight is what I'm saying. That's a big deal. Now, uh, Mr. Producer, uh, as for your message, that's good. We're just doing live business here. Doing live work, as we say. Now, going back to the audio... I want to get to the killer line by John Radcliffe to Taylor and Kent. Taylor and Kent. What does that sound like? Sort of a clothing company? We're going to get back to Taylor and Kent who have first-hand knowledge on absolutely nothing. But they have magnificent resumes, unlike most of the Democrats asking questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you don't understand. These are great men. Why, what have they done in the Department of State that's so great? Anybody know? Here's Ratcliffe and Taylor. Cut nine, go. In this impeachment hearing today where we impeach presidents for treason or bribery or other high crimes, where is the impeachable offense in that call? Are either of you here today to assert there was an impeachable offense in that call? Shout it out. Anyone? Mr. Ratcliffe, if I can just respond, let me just reiterate that I'm not here. I've got one minute left. I know know you only got a minute left. I've just got 30 seconds. You asked the witness a question. I will withdraw the question. Let me just make this. I'm not here to take one side or the other. That's your Ambassador, let me answer this. Let me ask you this question. The general will suspend. Spend the time. Ambassador Taylor, would you like to answer the question? Suspend the time, please. I withdrew the question. The general will suspend. We will suspend the clock. Suspend the clock Suspend the at clock. one minute, please. Ambassador Taylor, would you like to respond to the question? Mr. Ratcliffe, I would just like to say that I'm not here to do anything having to do with, uh, to, to decide about impeachment. That is not what either of us are here to do. This is, this is your job. Will you restore, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Restore time to the clock to one minute? Uh, no, but you may continue 22 seconds. All right. Anyway. No. It says that's not what I'm here for, but that's what you're being used for. And thankfully, you're not adding up to anything. Ambassador Taylor, Deputy Assistant Secretary Kent. He's another civil service holder. I love the way they say I've served three Democrats, two Republican presidents, or the vice versa. Folks, that's because they know you don't know how the federal bureaucracy works. They have senior executive positions. They're called SES. Some of them are designated as career, and some of them are designated as political. The vast majority of the bureaucracy you know is career. I mean, it was easier to get rid of Saddam Hussein than it is a GS-12 in the Department of uh, Agriculture. Nonetheless. So you have these careerists who fill these SES, these senior executive service positions, and then you have some that are filled by political. Mr. Ken is a bureaucrat. For the vast majority of his career, Mr. Taylor has been a bureaucrat. Ivanovich will be there Friday, an Obama holdover as ambassador, but a bureaucrat for decades. All three of these people are bureaucrats, and they're deeply offended. 
that the President of the United States didn't do what they wanted him to do. They're deeply offended that Rudy Giuliani was a confidant of the President's, an informal envoy, as so many Presidents have. An informal envoy. And that's what well, irregular channels, irregular channels of kind of irregular, they, no, they're not irregular. The Constitution says the President is in charge of the executive branch. Have you heard a single so-called journalist mention this? Have you heard a single so-called legal analyst mention this? They're doing such an enormous disservice to the American people. Such an enormous disservice. Adam Schiff should count his lucky stars that he isn't under oath testifying under penalty of perjury. And this is why. Cut 10, go. Do you anticipate when we might vote on the ability to have the whistleblower in front of us, something you, of the 435 members of Congress, you are the only member who knows who that individual is, and your staff is the only staff of any member of Congress who's had a chance to talk with that individual. We would like that opportunity. When might that happen in this proceeding today? First, as the gentleman knows... That's a false statement. I do not know the identity of the whistleblower, and I'm determined to make sure that identity is protected. But as I said to Mr. Conaway, you will have an opportunity after the witnesses testify to make a motion to subpoena any witness and compel a vote. Hmm. You're a liar, Schiff. Take a lie detector test or step down from the chairmanship and at least agree to be a witness for five minutes. Of course he won't. Don't get me wrong. He won't. George Kent. Who? Exactly. He's at the hearing today. And remember, these are two of their best witnesses. Cut 14, go. There are and always have been conditionality placed on our sovereign loan guarantees for Ukraine. Conditionality. I guess that means conditions, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Conditions include anti-corruption reforms, hmm. as well as meeting larger stability goals and social safety nets. The International Monetary Fund does the same thing. Congress and the executive branch work together to put conditionality on some security assistance in the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. I see. Why don't you also tell the American people in the committee that it's actually a regular and routine process for our federal investigators and prosecutors to work with federal investigators and prosecutors overseas and other governments, including Ukraine in order to track down all kinds of criminals. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there are criminals who move from country to country, who are involved in embezzlement and drug rings, uh, sex slave operations, mail fraud, wire fraud, all kinds of stuff, where we call on foreign governments to assist us. You just can't call on a foreign government to assist us against a corrupt Democrat party in 2016. Or a corrupt Biden family. That's right, I said it. They're corrupt. This whole thing is a cover-up. To protect Schiff, to protect the Democrat Party, and to protect the Bidens. The whole damn thing. But don't worry, the legal analysts and our intrepid reporters and hosts, they're all on top of this. Don't worry. Got no problem with it. You know, these Republicans keep asking the same thing. How monotonous. They really ought to get to the crux of the matter. I'm, I'm very surprised at the Republicans today, who, by the way, were outstanding. But nonetheless, here's the an- analysis. I'm very surprised at the Republicans today, you see, because 
really, they, uh, they should have just focused on impeachment. What is an impeachable offense? Rather than getting into the facts, exposing the witnesses, and then just keep saying the same thing over and over again for five hours. Not impeachable, not impeachable, not impeachable. Thinking to myself, who are these idiots? Who are they? Cut 16, Mr. Producer, go. Your staff member here is the president asking about the investigations, meaning Burisma and the Bidens in 2016. And Ambassador Sondland told President Trump that the Ukrainians were ready to move forward? He did. And I think you said that after the call, when your staff asked Ambassador Sondland what President Trump thought of Ukraine, his response was that President Trump cares more about the investigations of Biden. Is that right? And Burisma, yes, sir. Um, and I, I wow, the- wow, that's a blockbuster, don't you think, Mr. Producer? Here's the problem: this president has approved hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid to the Ukraine in all three years of his presidency. He didn't have to wait for anything, and he didn't wait for anything except to make sure that this new president wasn't part of a corrupt regime. That's what he was looking at. How do we know that? Because I have a direct witness by the name of Senator Ron Johnson, who told us on Life, Liberty, and Levin two Sundays ago. He was in a meeting with the President of the United States, with Mulvaney, with the Secretary of Energy. He was in a meeting with all of them. And he said the President never ever mentioned the Bidens or 2016 or anything of the sort as a condition precedent for Ukraine getting money. And by the way, where the hell is it chiseled anywhere that Ukraine gets money? I understand. I, I want them to get support. I understand about the Ruskies. But since when did this become like, a, like, like, like an absolute fact that it must happen? Yes, yes, yes. I'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. John Solomon, intrepid journalist. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Mark. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. Now you know you're very, very uh, important when you are repeatedly attacked now by the New York Times. Kenneth Vogel and Jeremy Peters. Now, just so you understand, John Solomon, I've gone at it with this Kenneth Vogel before. He's a real hack for the left. used to write for Politico. Now he writes for the Washington Post. Everybody's corrupt but him, of course. (laughs) And uh, he's attacking you. He's attacking your, your character, your veracity. Uh, what do you make of this attack on you? 
Well, I don't make much of it, and uh, here's why. The idea that I'm going to measure my journalism excellence or my journalism success or my journalism ethics against that of the New York Times is a folly. The New York Times was the driving force of one of the greatest conspiracy theories and false narratives ever created by news media in America's history. That was Russia collusion. For two and a half years, they stuffed down everybody's throat that Donald Trump was in bed with Vladimir Putin on a conspiracy to hijack the election. I was on the other side of that story, reporting out the true facts. I think history will show over the last three years my stories were correct, theirs weren't. This Ukraine story smells an awful lot like Russia collusion. It's a lot of hearsay, it's a lot of speculation, it's a lot of hyperbole, and I think we should wait and see what the facts are. What I can tell you is that every fact of every story that I've written on Ukraine has not only been validated by me, it went through three editors at the Hill, it went through legal review, both my personal lawyers and the Hill's uh, professional libel lawyers, and to date, not a single person. A lot of people said John Solomon's wrong. He's a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. He had a uh, false narrative. No one has brought a single fact together. And in that story today at the New York Times, they did me a big favor. Because in the New York Times story, they went and interviewed Lusenko a month ago. They held it for a month. But they revealed today, oh, we, we interviewed that Ukraine prosecutor, the same guy that John Solomon interviewed, the one that everybody's been saying recanted for six months. That's why they've been picking on me. And, oh, when he told us, he didn't recant either. He stands by what he told you. So I think the New York Times did me a favor. And as far as their opinion of my reporting, it matters very little. Legitimately, what do you make? Of, you've been around a long time. You've been with yeah. the Associated Press. I remember you back then doing really right. brilliant stories. You and Pete Yates, I think it was. Uh, that's right, Pete Yost. Uh, Yost, rather. Reporter. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and memory. you guys are really good. And, and you've been around a long time. You see these young guys come in. And they all want to work for the New York Times, which, quite frankly, John, you go back to the Holocaust and look at the scholarship that's been done on the New York Times. It's been a disaster, a yeah. true disaster. Yeah, and, and, they've and, done yeah. some good things over time, and like all these articles, well, they, have, they have blemishes. But I think at the end of the day, the real concern for me, as someone who's been in the profession 30 years, is that I now see a group of journalists that care less about the facts and, and the neutrality of voice and more about the outcome. And that what happens is they substitute their own speculation and opinion for fact when they don't have it. And they drive narratives, they drive us off a cliff on a narrative, and then they just walk away and pretend, oh, we didn't have anything to do with that. It's absolutely dangerous for American democracy to have a media that's ill-informed, that loses its neutrality, as it has so much in the Trump era, and that is substituting speculation and, uh, and subterfuge for what used to be accepted as fact. And I think that's bad for democracy. But I think the good news is there's still a lot of people like me around who want to do this type of journalism. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to announce a new news organization that's going to bring a bunch of hunters like me together, committed to the truth. We don't, we don't pick winners and losers. We don't have a partisan motive. We're going to get the truth out there. And I think there's a lot of people that want to return journalism to an earlier state when neutrality and facts mattered. And this current cast of characters, I think, will look back at history and, and realize uh, they deserve the American public with a lot of disinformation. You know, and then they set up groups like PolitiFact. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, several weeks ago, uh, Breitbart, uh, Aaron Klein there, had a magnificent story, did a lot of research yeah. on the he background did. of this Mark Zaid and these organizations they're involved. And yeah. you cannot dispute the money trail that he's laid out based on IRS That's records and other things. It was excellent. I talked about it. Yeah. So Zaid's running around with his favorite journalist types, and PolitiFact does a story and says, my 
My comments were largely false. Now we find not only are they largely right, I understated the case. The guy's there tweeting about a coup. It's exactly right. It's remarkable, isn't it? And there's no consequence. PolitiFact will move on, and the New York Times will move on, and the Washington Post will move on without any regard for fixing the false record, the false narrative they created. The New York Times, of all news organizations, if they want to look in the mirror and throw stones in the glass house, let's call out the New York Times for something that they've egregiously done. They have never retracted their February 2017 article. I believe the seminal article that drove the country to believe that there was collusion between Russia and and, uh, Donald Trump. That article claimed that U.S. intelligence had corroborated that senior U.S. uh, senior Trump campaign officials had met with senior Russian intelligence officials. We know that story is wrong. Jim Comey even admitted that story was wrong in sworn testimony. Mueller's report completely debunks the idea that there was such a meeting. The New York Times failed to take the step that every journalism organization has, the obligation to retract the false story. Before they start evaluating my own journalism, they ought to go back to their 2017 journalism and fix the record for the American public. That's the very least they can do. But it's amazing. They, have, they require absolute uniformity with their ideology. You can't have a John Solomon out there. You can't have a Fox News out there. You can't have a whatever it is, a Washington Times out there. Yeah. They, they, they control an, an enormous percentage of uh, the broadcast world and the newspaper world, but it's never enough. John Solomon, we'll be right back with you, if you don't mind, for a few more minutes. Oh, I love it. All right, folks, stick with us. We'll be back. Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. John Solomon, you know, I watched as much of the hearing as I could today because I actually have to work for a living. And, uh, (laughs) but much of what I watched, nothing. In other words, we have two career guys who are up there have first-hand knowledge of nothing. Right. Who are very upset with the president's policies. That's right. They don't even hear from the president directly about his policies. They're repeating things that people have told them. Meanwhile, Ukraine gets the funding, even though the president can withhold it under federal statute if he thinks there's uh, criminality or corruption going on. He's not required to spend it. Uh, Joe Biden's not under investigation. In my view, he ought to be by somebody, so we know before he's the nominee, if he's the nominee. That's right. They talk about bribery. You know, bribery under the Constitution, John Solomon, that clause, you can look at the Founding Fathers, what they debated in Philadelphia. They were concerned that a president or a vice president or a top official in the government could be bribed by getting money from a foreign government so they could buy his loyalty. That has nothing to do with this. That's right. Yeah, listen, today didn't move the needle at all. As someone who's covered many important scandal hearings over the years, going back to Iran-Contra, Whitewater, uh, Asia Money Gate, the China Money Gate, all those things. This hearing didn't move the needle one bit. What you had were two hearsay witnesses whose only knowledge is what they heard second and third hand. And there's a real strong sentiment that you hear that they feel like it's their policy, mm-hmm. but that's not what the Constitution actually states. It's the president's uh, power to set a foreign policy. It is not theirs. But you hear when you listen to them, it's as though it's their policy, and they're taking personal offense to everything that that was being said and done during that time frame. And I think that colors the testimony a great deal. The people who did talk to the president, right, have a different story. He told them, 
No quid pro quo. So the only people we've heard from that had a direct relationship and a direct conversation with the president have a different story than these bureaucrats who are out there spreading hearsay and secondhand information. Now, we need to be open. Let's see what facts come out over the next few weeks. But I do not believe that today moved the needle very much, and I think it set back the Democrats' case because they had built up so much hype. They didn't deliver much of the, the goods today. As a general matter, putting Biden's name aside for now, of course the United States has foreign governments to assist in criminal investigations. We have offices overseas with the FBI and the, and the DEA. And I know this because I was a former chief of staff to an attorney general. That's right. We have people right in the, the Department of, of Justice who fly to these countries and work with these people because crime doesn't end at the water's edge here, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't very much. And here, I think, is going to be the big surprise. If there's going to be a December surprise, I'm going to make a bold prediction today. These bureaucrats aren't read into the intelligence that the president gets in his PDB. I believe we will learn at some point that the president's PDB, his daily intelligence briefing, raised issues about Zelensky and the people around Zelensky that gave the president legitimate pause. If your U.S. intelligence community, if your Treasury community comes to you and says, hey, we've got some concerns about this new guy. He's hanging around. There's been a history of aid being stolen or misappropriated. Let's make sure that we got everybody sorted out before we do this. I think you're going to find out that the president had reasons that have yet to be stated. And, and when we learn about what the intelligence community, the CIA, the Treasury Department, other people might have been telling the president, there might have been a good reason for the pause. At the end of the day, he delivered the aid. He delivered lethal aid that Barack Obama never had the courage to give Ukraine. But the idea that he had a pause may have been driven by issues that these bureaucrats with lower classifications don't really know about. I think that's going to be the December surprise in these hearings. I want to ask you something quickly. I know you have to go. You wrote a piece a couple of years back about the U.S. Embassy pressing Ukraine to drop the probe of George Soros during the 2016 election. You want to remind the American people about that? It's great because George Kent testified about it again this month. Uh, George Kent admits he signed a letter and sent it to the Ukraine prosecutor, Mr. Lysenko's office, the guy who everybody said recanted but didn't. And it said, listen, we don't think you should be investigating George Soros and the U.S. money that we gave. Here's the big story that a lot of Americans don't know. The State Department funds a group along with George Soros. They're in bed with George Soros with a group in Ukraine. That's an unusual relationship in itself. But when the Ukrainians wanted to investigate that relationship, George Kent, the, the, then the charge of defair, now he the testified today, George Kent. Yeah. He testified today, the, the alleged star witness of the day. He signed a letter saying, back off, you Ukrainians. Now, the Geneva Convention tells all diplomats, you don't have a right to interfere in the internal matters of the country you're doing. When you send a letter saying back off on a local investigation, you're interfering in the internal matters of a, of a country. People haven't picked up on that, but it's very important. State Department has a close relationship with George Soros in Ukraine, and when the Ukrainians wanted to investigate that, they got a fastball up around their nose saying back off. It kind of bothers me a little bit that, uh, that some of the members were not aware of this because uh, Kent has, in my view, a little bit of dirt under his fingernails, and it would have been nice to pursue that, don't you think? Yeah, it didn't come out in the question. It did come out in the deposition, which I've reported on a lot, and I did a new story today calling attention to that again. But, yeah, no, I mean, I think the Republicans drew some important distinctions today, but they don't have everything, and that's what time will tell. We have a lot more process to go through. We're going to learn a lot more. Keep an eye on the president's PDBs and what things we may not know about the president's decision-making. I think that's how this story turns in the next couple of weeks. Look forward to it. John Solomon, hang in there. We appreciate you, buddy. You too. Appreciate it. All right. God bless. He is terrific. He is fearless. Better be looking over his shoulder, too, in my humble opinion. 
What do you mean by that, Mark? I don't need to elaborate. But he's uh, he's the, the the New York Times have their hitmen after him and others. I'm talking about their phony reporters. This guy uh, Jeremy, I can't I can never remember this. Peters, Kevin Vogel. Go ahead and Google their names, particularly this guy Vogel. You'll see what a sleazeball he is. He's such a sleazeball, ladies and gentlemen. He writes this piece in January 2017 in Politico, and everybody's waiting for a follow-up piece. He goes on MSNBC, writes a little thing in the New York Times, but drops it. And now you have other media organizations saying, this Republican conspiracy, the idiots that do network news in my ears at the top of the hour. This Republican, uh, you know, uh, the Associated Progressives, also AP. You know, this, uh, this... disproved, uh, disproved uh, uh, conspiracy theory the Republicans are working on. This from the Associated Progressives who are pushing the Russian nonsense. They're all frauds. Every, almost every damn one of them. Let me put it that way. It's no joke. All right. Let's see here, Mr. Producer. I'm pulling, what, what would you like me to do here? All right. This, it's, it's hell when your printer isn't working, you know? All right, let's take a call. Give me a good one. Who do we have? Mike in Illinois, XM Satellite. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh, this, uh, this shift is kind of a snake. When, uh, when Jordan... What do you mean, kind of a him, snake? He is a when snake. When Jordan said to him, uh, well, you, you're the only one who knows the whistleblower, he says, I do not know who the whistleblower is. He's a liar. Is. Yeah, Jordan should have said, well, hold on a second. You are starting... A, a, you're, you're calling him a credible witness... You started an impeachment investigation based on hearsay and innuendo from an individual you don't even know who it is. Now, does Mark? anyone does anyone really believe that you have a shift staff who knows who he is and shift doesn't know who he is? It's all over the internet. On this program, I talk about this guy, Eric Chamarella, or however you pronounce it, all the time. Mr. Producer, get a copy of the Paul Sperry piece that was in Real Clear Investigations, okay? In fact, America. Let's do it this way. And I want you to be nice and civil and legitimate and legal and nothing stupid, folks. Get a copy of the Paul Sperry piece in Real Clear Investigations of about 10 days ago. And send it to Adam Schiff's office. Email it, mail it, whatever you do. And say, oh, this is the whistleblower. This is the whistleblower. Maybe your staff's not telling you. Yeah, right. Maybe you're not reading about it. Yeah, right. This is the whistleblower. Adam Schiff is a liar. He can't help it. He's a pathological liar. He cannot help it. Mental. All right. Are you a U.S. veteran? American Financing wants to say a huge thank you for your service. They don't just do it on Veterans Day either. If you've not taken advantage of your VA benefits then now is the time to call American Financing. They're a patriotic company, a family-owned company, and a wonderful sponsor. They've already helped an infinite number of people who listen to this program. Now, here's the thing. They can customize a VA loan for your new home purchase or refinance the one you currently have. Even if you've previously used a VA loan, you'll still have access to the program doesn't matter if you've been out of the military for months or years. You can still use your benefits. Folks, take advantage of a zero down payment on your new home purchase with no mortgage insurance. You can also refinance to lower your existing mortgage rate. 
access cash, or consolidate high-interest debt. Now's the time. Rates are tiny, tiny, tiny. Whatever your need. American Financing has salary-based mortgage consultants ready to assist you. So they're not in heat. They're not slobbering with spittle dripping on their loafers. They take their time. They want to work with you as human beings. They want to help personally customize what your needs require. It only takes 10 minutes to get started, and they're there right now. They're there right now. Call 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or you can apply online at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Don't forget, folks, I will be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. What else are you going to watch? What is today? Wednesday? What the hell's on there? Seriously. Network TV, dead. Dead. Sports, not on. What's out there? Nothing. Don't forget, 9.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. 6.30 p.m. Pacific tonight on Hannity on Fox. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Tell me, while the Intelligence Committee, or the No Intelligence Committee, is pursuing the President of the United States, think about this, the Intelligence Committee. Who's protecting us, in terms of intelligence and oversight, from Communist China, from Fascist Russia, from Islamo-Nazi Iran? If we get hit again, The senior levels of these agencies, where these men and women work, who've been spending their time 24-7 trying to undo the last election and oppose their will on the American people. These congressional committees who've been working with them, especially the House Intelligence Committee, and the media that draws the nation's attention to Mickey Mouse crap, They will be held to account. They will be responsible. People forget 9-11. People forget subsequent terrorist attacks within this country. So things are pretty quiet right now. So the left is having its way. President of the United States wins an election. He's illegitimate. The Electoral College has to go. The Russians installed him because you're too stupid. You voted for a Russian. I've I've always been amazed by this. You know damn well Putin wanted Obama and Hillary and Kerry. You know damn well it was Trump who put the severest sanctions on Putin's inner mob. Ironically, it's this president who's helped Ukraine arm up against Russia. Not Obama. They talk about cutting aid from our allies today. You heard it. You don't do it to an ally. When Israel was under attack multiple times, one time in particular, and they needed to replenish their armaments, Obama withheld armaments from Israel for 24 hours. You remember that? The airport's too dangerous. We can't do that. 
In 2014, it was Obama who refused to directly arm the Kurds against ISIS. You remember that? I remember that. Google it. No, don't Google it. What do we use now? Duck, duck, or whatever it is. Bing. I use Bing. That's just me. Can't remember. Duck, duck, schmuck, schmuck. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, you can't withhold aid from an ally. If every Democrat candidate running for president, all these left-wing kook, pro-Hamas, pro-Fatah elements within the Democrat Party, threatening Israel and the Jews. You either bend to our demands and the demands of Hamas and Fatah, or we're cutting off aid, or we're going to threaten you. They're doing it right now. Oh. And you can, invo- you can investigate with the assistance of foreign governments, bankers, drug dealers, anybody and anything you want. They use international wires, international mail system. We do it all the time, as I told John Solomon. But never a Biden. Biden is immune because Biden wants to be president. going to run for president if he can get the nomination. Well, that means the Bidens are always immune because that idiot's always running for office. And so now we have a protected class in this country. We just have to add them to the long list under the 5th and 14th Amendments. Women, minorities, certain types of genitalia, certain types of things you do with your genitalia, and the Bidens. The idea that you can't investigate somebody because they choose to run for president. No, 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 Mark, that's okay. The president can't mention it. Why the hell not? He is the executive branch. Of course he can mention it. All right. You know, when the choice is between bad and worse, it's time to look for a better alternative. The two drug pricing bills we've been following are the grassley Wyden bill in the Senate, the Pelosi plan in the House. The Senate one is terrible, but Pelosi's is even worse. Either plan, if passed, would be the first step towards a whole host of backward socialist policies. Both plans contain price controls on drugs, which effectively gives government power to dictate prices. But in the real world, price controls will threaten seniors' access to their prescription drugs. You see the rent controls in New York City? What happened? Well, people don't build apartment complexes anymore. Places become run down. People leave. Well, if you have some horrific disease, this doesn't work right for you, does it? Rationing, long lines. You know, we don't support Venezuela. We'll be nothing like Venezuela. But isn't Venezuela the end game? Isn't it the logical end game to what they demand? They want to destroy innovation by severely cutting the investments needed for the next breakthrough treatments. But there's some good news. The Republican-controlled Senate is not likely to take up the Pelosi plan, even if it passes the House. And in the Senate, some principled Republicans are speaking out against the Grassley-Wyden bill. But all the Senate Republicans need to stand up for sound, principled health care reform and not embrace leftist policies that lead to government-run socialized medicine. You would think this is a no-brainer. I remember when Republicans used to run, you know, I'm not a social conservative. I'm really not even a hawk. But I am a fiscal conservative. Where? Where are they? Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. So what did we learn today in the impeachment hearing? Well, you should be happy, folks. I mean, not with the fact of an impeachment hearing. First of all, I thought we're not supposed to call an impeachment hearing. Didn't Nancy put, not an impeachment hearing. 
You want to know who the biggest losers are here? I mean, the usual losers, the media, the Democrats, the Democrats, the media. You know who the biggest losers are here? I posted on it among my 10 or 12 posts. Those phony moderate Democrats who ran in these Trump Republican districts and deceived the constituents there, the voters there to vote for them. I'm not going to vote for Nancy Pelosi for speaker. They did. I would never vote to impeach this president, not even an inquiry. They did. And now, having seen this so-called impeachment hearing, the depends are being handed out. These people are wetting themselves. Because thinking Americans, unlike their base, thinking Americans know that this is a, a bowl of crap. If you watch these hearings or any part of it, and you ignore the legal analysts and the so-called journalists who are commenting on it, just think for yourself, complete dud for the Democrats. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, several years ago, our buddy Phil Klein, columnist over at the Washington Examiner, he wrote about five times, five times Democrats undermine Republican presidents with foreign governments. This is back in 2015, before Donald Trump was president. Number one, by the way, I have some discussion about these things in my book as well on freedom of the press, but nonetheless. A 1983 KGB memo uncovered after the fall of the Soviet Union described a meeting between former KGB officials and former Democrat Senator John Tunney, Senator Kennedy's confidant in Moscow. Tunney asked the KGB to convey a message to Yuri Andropov, the Soviet leader proposing a campaign in which Kennedy would visit Moscow to offer talking points to Andropov and Soviet officials on how to attack Reagan's policies to U.S. audiences. According to the memo, Kennedy, through the intermediary, offered to help facilitate a media tour and a proposed visit by Andropov to the U.S. Kennedy's hope, as conveyed by the letter, was to hurt Reagan politically and foreign policy at a time when the economic recovery was working in his favor. 1984, 10 Democratic lawmakers, including then-Majority Leader and House Intelligence Committee Chairman, sent a letter to Nicaraguan Communist Leader Daniel Ortega, known as the Dear Comandante Letter. In it, the lawmakers criticized Reagan's policy toward Nicaragua and whitewashed the record of violence by the Sandinista Communists. Third example, Nancy Pelosi, in 2007, newly elected Speaker, visited the Syrian dictator Bashar Assad. As the AP reported at the time, the meeting was an attempt to push the Bush administration to open a direct dialogue with Syria, a step that the White House rejected. Number four, Steve Hayes recounts in September 2002 how David Bonnier, the second-ranking Democrat in the House of Representatives, flew to Baghdad in an attempt to undermine George W. Bush's case for war in Iraq on a trip paid for by Saddam Hussein's regime. Bonnier, accompanied by Representatives Jim McDermott and Mike Thompson, actively propagandized for the Iraqi regime. 
McDermott asked whether he found it acceptable to use to be used by the Iraqi regime, said he hoped the trip would end the suffering of children. We don't mind being used for that, he said. Fifth example, November 20, 1990. President George H.W. Bush gathered support to oppose Iraq after its invasion of Kuwait. The former Democratic president, Jimmy Carter, wrote a letter to nations who were in the U.N. Security Council trying to kill the administration's efforts. As Douglas Brinkley explained, Carter's letter was an attempt to thwart the Bush administration's request for U.N. authorization of hostilities against Iraq. President Bush's criterion for proceeding with a war was the exhaustion of good faith talks, and Carter placed his interpretation of that standard above the administration's. Democrats interfering with our foreign policy. Whatever you do, <coughs> whatever you do, do not look into the Bidens. Biden said, Biden's sort of the uh, most recent Robert Mueller. What? Where? What? I need water. Anyway, uh, Biden said he didn't watch the hearings, of course. Of course, he's not interested in that. Another liar. He said, but he heard it was devastating for the president. It's amazing. Here's the guy on videotape in front of the whole world forcing the Ukrainian government to fire its general prosecutor if it wanted $1.5 billion in aid. Nothing wrong here, says Anderson Cooper. No, this is a Republican conspiracy. It's a diversion. It's a shiny object. We got quid pro quos and bribery and extortion, all kinds of stuff with Trump. Violations of the federal campaign law, the FEC statutes, a criminal case here. Oh, yes. Oh, something of value we got in return, and that is he could get an investigation of Biden. Nothing of value in investigating Biden because there's nothing of value in Biden's campaign. A complete misinterpretation of campaign law. You don't have to believe me. The Office of Legal Counsel, the official office at the Department of Justice for the federal government that makes these determinations, determined that, no, that's a quack idea. Doesn't stop a legal analyst. A senior legal analyst, I believe. Maybe junior. I don't know. Uh, for making such outlandish comments, for which he receives a lot of support over there, and our friend, uh, the Drudge Report, as well as, of course, Mediaite, Media Matters. It's a real cabal out there. It's hard to tell everybody apart these days. So what did we learn from these two bureaucrats? Nothing. Well, you know what we really learned from these two bureaucrats? You ready for this? I'll say this so the backbenchers tomorrow morning can say it themselves. What we really learned, Mr. Producer, and America, is not that the president had a rogue foreign policy, not that the president was using irregular channels, not that the president was using back channels. He can't. Under Article 2, he runs foreign policy for the executive branch. He's the commander-in-chief and so forth and so on. No, but these two bureaucrats and the people they named and other witnesses being called by the shift mob on the committee... They're running irregular channels. They're using the back door. They have rogue, rogue uh, efforts in foreign policy because they're defying the president's foreign policy. It's ass backwards, inside out, topsy-turvy. You see my point? They're the rogues. They're the ones doing the end around. They're the ones who are doing 
and irregular foreign policy. Not the President of the United States. He can't be doing that. He's the President of the United States. And see the damage that's being done to our constitutional order. Two bureaucrats in the State Department. Their opinions are more important than the President of the United States' policies. And we'll have more bureaucrats. The former ambassador to Ukraine. Can't wait to hear from Yovanovitch. Oh, Yovanovitch. Oh, yeah. Four billion years of civil service experience. I understand that she may have served at the Battle of the Bulge. She doesn't look like it, Mr. Producer, but maybe way back when. You never know. Can't pass judgment. We've never had a witness like this. She is beyond reproach. What about the whistleblower? Beyond reproach. What about Hunter Biden? Beyond reproach. What about beyond reproach? Trying to get to the bottom of this. We can't be chasing tales here. We, 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 can't, we can't be chasing these conspiracy theories about Ukraine interfering in the 2016 election, even though that article appeared in Politico in the New York Times, even though there is an enormous amount of evidence, even at the surface level, what they were doing. We can't be chasing that. Here they have evidence. Russia, no evidence with respect to collusion with Trump. Here we have evidence. Now, if you ask the Ukrainian president, honestly, who would you prefer as president? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Given that the Obama administration withheld military armaments from Ukraine and the Trump administration has given them more than any president in modern history. If you're the Ukrainians, who are you rooting for? Joe Biden or Donald Trump? You're rooting for Donald Trump. Not Joe Biden. Let's talk about our allies. If you're Israel, who are you rooting for? Donald Trump or Joe Biden? Donald Trump. Of course. We can go down the list. So concerned they are at the State Department that we support our allies, you know. Same State Department that didn't say, crap! When Barack Obama cut a deal with the fascistic regime in Cuba. They didn't say crap. When Barack Obama went easy on Russia. They didn't say crap. When Barack Obama did nothing. About the expansion of the Chinese military. And Obama gives $150 billion to the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. On top of another $1.9 billion in cash. He wasn't undermining American foreign policy, no, was he? No, long-standing American foreign policy. I remember when the great Ronald Reagan was president, as you know, I served in his administration eight years. And before that, I campaigned for him in 76 and 80. Tell me, did the State Department try to sabotage Ronald Reagan? Yeah, I think they did. When Reagan rejected Gorbachev's deal and pushed for the Strategic Defense Initiative, they mocked him. They called it Star Wars. Ask the Israelis if it's a joke. Ask the Eastern Europeans if it's a joke. Missiles shooting missiles out of the sky. Oh, that's so fanciful, it's Star Wars. We need more money to redistribute wealth. We can't be spending money like that. Reagan fought them. They undermined him. When Reagan wanted to defeat the Soviet Union, Breaking with 50 years of Cold War policy. All right, 40 years of Cold War policy. 
They trashed him as a warmonger. Remember that? He's going to start a nuclear war. They actually did like a a quasi-news documentary. I think it was ABC, but I could be wrong. On the after effects of a nuclear war on the United States. Not too much propaganda there. Oh yeah, but they did. They trashed Reagan. They tried to remove Reagan when he went after the communists in Nicaragua. Remember that? They wanted to impeach him too. This is the record of the Democrat Party. I'll be right back. You know, there's 95 things over the past three years that the Democrats have said Donald Trump should be impeached for, Mr. Mr. Producer. Did you know this? 95 different things. Every Republican president since Nixon, the Democrats have said should be impeached. Every Republican president since Nixon. Look at Reagan, how successful he was. They wanted to impeach Reagan over the freedom fighters in Nicaragua, the so-called Iran-Contra affair. They wanted to take out Reagan. They wanted to take out George W. Bush over Iraq. So we can't take this party seriously. We can't take the media seriously. Their objectives are really unbelievable. So I said the other day we have the so-called whistleblower who is the modern-day blue dress. Remember? It's kind of disgusting. Remember why the blue dress mattered, Mr. Producer? Does Mr. Call Screener remember why the blue dress mattered? He remembers. Well, the whistleblower is the blue dress. And the DNA, I think, belongs to Adam Schiff. What do you think of that, Mr. Producer? I think that illustrates all we need to know. I won't go any further. Let's take another call, shall we? Who do we have there on the uh, Mark Levin phone call board? Do we have any irregular Americans using irregular channels? All normal Americans, that's what we have here. Birmingham? You mean Birmingham, Alabama. Mr. Producer's from the Bronx. I think, isn't Bernie the Red from the Bronx too? Anyway, it doesn't matter. One of the boroughs. All right, Birmingham, you're up. Go right ahead, sir. Hello, Mr. Levin. What a pleasure. I have to say before I get to my point that Thank Life, you. Liberty, and Levin is the greatest program on television today. Thank I you. I really enjoy it. Um, Wait a minute. You know who we're going to have this Sunday? Well, how would you who's know? Who's that? Devin Nunes for the whole hour. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I will be listening. Thank As you. a truck driver today, I had to decide whether or not to listen to this today, uh, considering road rage and all. So I took an extra blood pressure pill, some nausea medicine, and I turned on the radio and I began to listen. And when it was all said and done, I, became to, I came to the realization that today was line, pencil, neck shifts, Rachel Maddow, tack, paper moment. It was the biggest flop and biggest group of nothing I've ever heard. And especially when they was asked after all of that, is there anything that rose to the level of impeachment and the silence was like a nuclear bomb? Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Isn't that amazing? That was a big moment. 
it was. And they just don't uh, pay attention to it too much. Mm-hmm. And I got one question I have to ask you right quick. I've been wanting to call in or find out. Your your um, uh, Levin TV. Is there any way that uh, you can get it on a app or anything so truck drivers can listen to it going down the road? Oh yeah, you can get it on your iPhone. Oh yeah. Yeah, you oh, just incredible. you just kind of plug it into the uh, you know the what used to be the cigarette lighter or whatever. Yeah. Or you know with a typical wire uh, that they have now attached to these these various phones. Yeah, you can have it on these devices. You can have it on a laptop. You can absolutely. Okay, I was trying to figure out how I could listen to this going down the road. That's uh, that's great. I will get it then. I'm not home enough to watch it on TV. But no, I'm I, like a stalker. I'm everywhere. Oh, way to go! Well, thank you so much. Well, hold on a second. Now, where's your where's what town is your home in? I live in Boaz, Alabama, which mm-hmm. is uh, north. I know exactly Birmingham, where it is. Alabama. I know where yeah, it is. Well, that's where I live. And uh, you ride what kind of truck? Eighteen wheeler. Yeah, I drive an eighteen wheeler. Yes. And typically, do you carry a certain type of uh, product or whatever? Uh, right, right now, I'm on a regular run where I carry uh, chicken. I haul chicken. Chickens. Yep. While, while they're alive or after? No, no. Processed chicken going to the store. Yeah. It, it's tough to do it when they're alive, isn't it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I'd rather carry them frozen. <laughs> you know, I, when I go in a restaurant, uh, people always say, well, the, uh, the fish is fresh. And I always say, okay, I need some frozen fish. They look at me like, what, what the hell is your problem? There I am in the middle of the country where there are no fish. I mean, you know, you're driving through whatever the town is, wherever you are. There's no fish. Our lobster's fresh. No, it's not. Plus, I don't like lobster. All right, my brother. Thank you very, very much. By the way, don't hang up. We'll get you a free one-year subscription to Levin TV. I want to thank you. And yes, you download it on your, uh, if you have an iPhone or Android or whatever, and uh, you can watch it there. So don't hang up, please. Who else do you have, Mr. Producer? Actually, wait a minute. I have my phone... uh, thing now yeah let's see here stan st louis missouri this isn't stan usual no he's gone boy was he a great baseball player stan xm satellite go it's an excellent opportunity to speak to you mark i've been a fan of yours for many years and thank you buy your books and give them out to other people and stuff like that besides reading them thank uh, you myself but um now my my uh, daughter is a um she's a russian uh Linguist uh, for a uh, one of our security di- divisions uh, within the federal government, mm-hmm. and she works in the Ukraine. And she's in the Ukraine quite often. Works from time to time with the State Department, but she she said we are training them in ways and equipping them in ways in which Obama never even considered. And they love this president. They love what he's doing, and they I think they're embarrassed. Uh, that they backed uh, Hillary and they did what they did to him in the uh, 2016 election. But uh, this is a scam. She she, she said this is oh, a yeah. complete farce. And God bless her. And by the way, we'll hit this after the bottom of the hour. Andrew Weissman, Weissman, the main author behind the Mueller report, the number two drone among those prosecutors. He's now an official legal analyst for MSLSD. I want to explore this with you in a moment. We'll be right back.
conservative fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. So the uh, lawyer for the Democrats on the committee, I believe his name is Dan Goldman, Mr. Producer. He's a former MSLSD commentator, legal analyst. So the Democrats on the committee hire him. Meanwhile, MSLSD hires Andrew Weissman to be a legal analyst over there. To me, this is unethical. You know, you have Ken Starr hired as a contributor over at Fox. That's perfectly fine. He's not doing commentary on another Bill Clinton impeachment. Or even a Hillary Clinton impeachment, had she won. He's commenting on what's being done to President Trump. He had no official legal status relating to Trump. But Andrew Weissman sought to remove Trump the first go-round with the phony Russia collusion. Now, I'm sure all the media analysts, the biggest media analyst, uh, BS Brian Stelter, Helter Stelter, I'm sure he'll be all over this. I'm sure he'll be all over this. By the way, there's a guy at the Daily Beast, Mr. Producer, we're going to make infamous... We're going to make him infamous. I'll, I'll get back to that in a moment. Forget. Don't forget. You know, cyber thieves are stealing American homes. Guess where your home's legal title and mortgage documents are kept? Online for everyone to see? Everyone. Guess where your home's legal title will wound up? Will wind up, rather. Well, if it's a thief, you'll lose it. Your signature and everything. Thieves need to take over ownership of your home. It's easily available online. Thieves forge your name off title, then refile the deed so it appears you sold it. Then they go to unscrupulous lenders and borrow money using your home's equity. Then they disappear and stick you with the payments. Banks, insurance, and identity theft programs do not protect you. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a virtual firewall around your home's title and mortgage. And they monitor the black market to see if your home is for sale. Your home's equity is your retirement. Your emergency fund. Let me help protect it with 60 risk-free days of home title lock. Please go to hometitlelock.com and your address to see if you're already a victim. If you're not, this way, however, you get the 60 risk-free days. Defend yourself at HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Let us take a look at this. Brian, Las Vegas, Nevada, the great K-Don, K-W, excuse me, K-D-W-N, go. Yes, I'm sitting there on the couch and looking at NBC's new team, to comment on today's hearing, there's Lester Holt. No, no, he's on MSNBC. No, no, this was NBC. And Chuck but I'm Todd, saying, are they Weissman on NBC? Sure, and Andrew Weissman. Wow. They never identified Mr. Weissman as a part of the Mueller collusion investigation team. They merely identified him as a former DOJ prosecutor. I about flipped. I could not believe how low they have sunk mm-hmm. to pull the wool over America's eyes. That's disgraceful. 
They're so dishonest. No, you're right. Well, they can't have Mueller because, you know, he doesn't know where the glass of water is right in front of his nose, so. No, All right, Brian. I know who the guy is, but nobody else in America probably doesn't. I know. It's the it's, average it's, Joe. It's shocking. It's shocking that they would hire. Then they hire McCabe over there at CNN. And then over there at MSNBC, the morning schmo, uh, show, you have Sakon Vansetti. Have you noticed that? It, it's disgraceful, Mark. It really they go is. by the name uh, Joe and uh, Mika Scarborough, I believe, or Brzezinski. All right, Brian. Thank you, buddy. At least if you live in Las Vegas, you can say, all right, I got to clear my mind. I'm going to the blackjack tables. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? Going to the blackjack tables. I, I can't take this anymore. J.D., Las Vegas, Nevada. Also, K-Dawn. K-D-W-N. Go. I can't believe this. That's my best friend, Brian, you just talked to. And I really? don't know. Yes, sir. Uh, Wait a minute. Did you guys collude? No, no, we didn't collude. Uh, you talk. I was. Are you sitting you on the other end of the sofa? Is that what's going on? No, no, we're twenty miles apart. I Can you prove to, that, sir? Uh, yes, I was going to tell you about yes, Weissman. Yes. He told you about Weissman. Uh, I was going to tell you about John Scalia, uh, Scalia, S C A L I. Uh, who was an ABC News correspondent in New York in 1962 that President John F. Kennedy went to to ask him to go to the Soviet uh, uh, ambassador, Froman, to try and tell him what he wanted to do with Khrushchev, quid pro quo. And it didn't come out. Your book, I love it. Uh, I love the uh, the original parts of the pamphlets and that part of that history that you explained. You like chapter two. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've given that book out to three people, and they all love it, Mark. Thank you. Uh, God bless you. Uh, we love you in Las Vegas. I, we want you to come out here and visit us whenever you can. Maybe and, I will one of these days. Uh, yes, <coughs> yes. Excuse me, when I get over cholera here. You know I have cholera? <laughs> Son of a gun. Just I'm watching CNN at, at a bar here in Las Vegas. I've been holding on for an yeah, hour. Yeah, you have to be drunk to watch that. I've been, wa- I've been holding on for an hour and a half. Senator Santorum is on CNN with eight leftist uh, liberals. It's, it's terrible what they do to him. I love that guy. To what? Well, I hope they're paying him well. I don't know, but you got you got uh, the guy Bernstein. You got uh, all, all all the lefties. Gloria Borger. Now got- this guy Bernstein. You know uh, he's got like a quadruple chin. He's got stuff coming out of his ears and his nose and. He's utterly inarticulate. I mean, it's grotesque, isn't it? You, you got that dumbbell, Jess uh, Pasaki, that used to work. And she says, Gloria Borger said, Obama was doing the best for the country when he didn't give arms to the Ukraines in, when Russia was attacking. Of course. That was her statement. Yes. Yes, Obama is a god to these people. It's amazing, uh, Mr. Levin. And thank you, God bless you, for everything you do. We love you. Now, I'll keep something in mind. I will be on Hannity at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. What time is it in Las Vegas? Pardon me? What time is it in Las Vegas? Uh, about 5.45. or three hours ahead of uh, Eastern Time. What time is it in Australia? No, I'm just kidding. All right. 14, 14 hours ahead. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, who I the hell so. wants to do that? Not me. God bless you. J.D., take care of yourself. Let's go to Menachem, Miami, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Menachem? Hi, Mark. It's a real pleasure uh, speaking with you. Thank you. Uh, I'm doing good. How may I help you? So, Mark, I wanted to know is how many times can you have kooks like pencil neck shift 
and nasty Pelosi uh, get away with spreading lies and bringing false witness, creating a balagan uh, to remove a duly elected president? You know, how come there's no punishment for bearing false well, witness? Well, the, the punishment is you're supposed to vote these people out, but you're never going to vote them out in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Look what they've done to these cities. How do you elect a Nancy Pelosi and Harry Elk when you're destroying a city? I, at least, I'll tell you something, Menachem. I live here in a county outside of Virginia, outside of uh, suburbs in Virginia. And I moved here because it's a conservative state, or it was, and Second Amendment and all the rest. I never even thought about moving to Maryland because it's too blue. Well, guess what? George Soros in this last election replaced our prosecutor with one of those left-wing kook prosecutors. They just determined. They just, she just announced, I want everybody in Loudoun County, Virginia, to pay attention to me. Because this is going to affect your lives. State law holds that if you steal something, larceny it's called, that's worth $500 or more, it's a felony. She has just announced that if you steal something that's under $1,500, they're not even prosecuting it. Did you hear what I said? That's crazy. We're a nation of, of, of law. It's, it's nuts. So you're going to attract criminals in Loudoun County, Virginia. Gonna, hey, you know what? I'll steal a whole bunch of cigarettes. No, I won't use arms or anything. I'll just steal, you know. They're not going to bother me. They're not going to charge me. Not with a felony. It's, 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 and, and then we have a, a, now we have a board of supervisors, nine of them. It used to be majority Republican. Now it's majority Democrat. Six out of nine. And we have a local sheriff who's elected. He's terrific. And he won by a substantial margin. He's really a nonpartisan guy, but he's pro-law enforcement. He's pro-immigration laws. Just does his business. They want to abolish the sheriff's office and him create a police department where they appoint the head of the police department to create a sanctuary county. This is why idiots, I live around idiots, morons. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. All right. Let's go to Paul Orlando, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Paul? Good evening, Mark. Pleasure to speak to you. I've been listening to you for quite a while. Thank I you. I listen on uh, iHeart ra- uh, Radio app from Orlando. Thank you. And from New York. I have a point that uh, I, is George. Can you, say, can you say New York again? <laughs> New York. <laughs> you sound like you're from South Carolina. You're from South Carolina. <laughs> now, I try to soften my vowels a little bit, Mark. I'm just kidding you. All right, <laughs> okay. go ahead. Uh, the, je- the older one of the two gentlemen testified that one of his staff was in a restaurant and could overhear the president speaking right there. I've been in plenty of restaurants. I, in a car, if somebody is speaking on their phone and have their phone up to their ear, I cannot hear what the other person is saying. I'd like to know how in a restaurant a staffer could hear the president speaking when somebody else at a different table had the phone up to their ear. And why do we take this at face value? We don't know who the hell these people are. How do we know this person's telling the truth? Seriously. It, 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 you, he couldn't possibly hear to begin with. On its face, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Mm-hmm. And it's true. How are you going to hear these calls? Even at my favorite restaurant, which is a wonderful, wonderful place. No, I'm not an investor. No, they're not advertising. But I believe in mentioning wonderful small businesses where people work hard. Why do we always have to talk about ExxonMobil and Comcast and everything? 
But it's my favorite restaurant in Florida called Flash Beach. And the owners have become very, very dear friends of ours. My favorite restaurant. They really have fresh fish. I'm not even a fish guy. I like their fish. But if I get a phone call there, and as I say, it's not really loud. It's not raucous. They have beautiful music playing, usually live bands on the weekends and so forth. And I'll listen to them when I'm sitting inside. Try not to be noticed. And um, my wife and I. If I get a call, it's hard to hear. It's not like, well, it's the President of the United States. What's he saying? But to overhear a phone call? To overhear a phone call. That is idiotic. I don't believe it either. Prove me wrong. I'll be right back. I want to tell the idiots in the media, I've been a radio host a long time and I'm very proud of it. I've been a constitutional lawyer a longer time. I've served at the highest levels of the Reagan administration, including the Justice Department. One time I was president of the Landmark Legal Foundation. And yet, and yet because you're so loathsome, when you write about me, it's just right-wing radio host. The reason the president cites me is because I know more than every one of your legal analysts put together when it comes to the Constitution and impeachment and the like. I actually know more about journalism than the phony journalists out there. It's true. Don't hold it against me. Hold it against them. Bunch of clowns. All right. There are four purposes of education at Hillsdale College. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. For 175 years, Hillsdale has been committed to these four pillars of its mission. Other colleges started off with good intentions, but many of them have lost their way. Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've known Hillsdale President Dr. Larry Arn for decades. He's the best. And he says learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it's fragile and constantly under threat. So its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he's the first authority. Hillsdale has a rigorous, true liberal arts curriculum, and all students learn the basics of the U.S. Constitution, whether they major in biology, business, economics, or any of the dozens of other areas of study. All students learn what it means to be good citizens and why it's necessary to fight for freedom. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. I want to strongly encourage you to check them out. It doesn't cost anything. Please go to levinforhillsdale.com. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. President of the United States today, speaking of the witch hunt in the House of Representatives, go. And all they have to do is look very, very simply at the transcript. If you read the transcript, this was analyzed by great lawyers. Uh, This was analyzed by Greg Jarrett. It was analyzed by Mark Levin. It was analyzed by everybody. They said this statement that I made, the whole uh, call that I made with the president of Ukraine was a perfect one. So uh, that this country gets put through that, 
that we have to waste this gentleman's time by even thinking about it, talking about it. I'd much rather focus on peace in the Middle East. And uh, I hear that it's uh, I hear that it's a hoax and it's being played as a hoax. That's what I hear. But you'll have to tell me. And, you know, there's so much truth in what he's saying here. And at the core of it, they like to talk about, oh, he's undermining our foreign policy. Oh, he's undermining our Constitution. Ladies and gentlemen, this poor man hasn't had a second's rest from these hyenas. From these left-wing hyenas as journalists dressed up as members of the Intelligence Committee. Do any of them seem intelligent to you? It's hard enough to be president of the United States. Imagine being president of the United States and having put up with this crap. And that's what they're betting on, that somehow they can force him out. Somehow they'll have you turn on him. That's what they're doing. I'm betting it doesn't work. It's going to be a fight, folks. Mitch McConnell announced today, I, I cannot stand this man. I cannot stand this man. Mitch McConnell announced today that he is not going to truncate the trial. It goes six weeks, six weeks, seven weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. He's an, he's an idiot. His own myopic interest is his own power. And he's betting the longer they can keep the Senate in there, the harder it'll be for the Democrats to take the Senate, and so forth and so on. I'm about the Constitution. So Mitch McConnell, pay attention seriously, folks. Mitch McConnell is going to give... His good housekeeping seal to the House. It doesn't matter what he says on the Senate floor. It doesn't matter what he burps out on the street. The fact is, action is what matters. Mitch McConnell doesn't have the leadership ability, the statesmanship ability, to explain to the American people, to explain to his own caucus, he doesn't have enough of the ability to explain that the United States Senate, under our constitutional system, is the check on the runaway House of Representatives. But who's a check on the House and the Senate? Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, all you folks who protect us, all you patriots out there. I will see you in 30 minutes, literally, on the Fox News Channel, Hannity TV, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can all figure out the rest. I'm fired up and ready to go. See you in a minute. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.